Today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and what we're looking at really is a collection that was being taken as an offering for the early church. Now, as we talk about giving, I think there's an overview that, that we need to keep in mind. When we talk about giving, the first thing that we have to understand is that God owns it all. If we don't understand that, then we have no concept of why we would ever give. The things that you have, the things that I have, God owns it all. The, the scripture says the silver is his, the gold is his, the cattle on a thousand hills are his. The earth, the, the world, the fullness thereof, all the people, the inhabitants, all of it is his. We are his. And so with that understanding, God then tells us to give. And he, he talks about it in terms of a tithe and then offerings. Now, tithe is 10% of our income dedicated to the Lord. And we often get this question, why does God tell us to tithe? Well, we know that God doesn't need money because God owns it all, right? So if God doesn't need money, then why would he tell us to tithe? Well, it's a response of faith to show that we are God's people and that God is providing for our needs. And in faith, we give back 10% to the Lord and his work. And then there's this issue of offerings and those go above the tithe and they're different. And today I wanna to talk to you about our one day offering that's coming up next week and this idea of a faith promise offering. We talk about that every year. And if you're visiting with us today, I should make this designation. You've come at a great season of life and you might feel like I should be saying, I'm sorry that you came when we're talking about giving. I'm not sorry you came when we talked about giving. God bless you for being here when we're talking about giving. And I think it's gonna be great for you because this is the best season of life in our church. It's the giving season for missions. Every year we do this because it's so important for us to set our hearts around it. Now the passage we're reading today concerned an offering for the Jerusalem church. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth and he's going to talk about them and he's going to talk about a church in Macedonia and say, you guys are doing great in giving, giving to the offering that we need for the church in Jerusalem. So let's read starting in verse seven. Now you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. I'm not saying this as a command, rather by means of the diligence of others, I'm testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich for your sake, he became poor, so that by his poverty, you might become rich. And in this matter, I'm giving advice because it's profitable for you who began last year not only to do something, but also to want to do it. Now also finish the task, so that just as there was an eager desire, there may also be completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what they don't have. It's not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it's a question of equality. At the present time, your surplus is available for their need, so that their abundance may in turn meet your need in order that there may be equality. As it's written, the person who had much did not have too much and the person who had little did not have too little. As Paul begins to talk to them about this offering that they've been collecting and this need that exists in another part of the world, in another church and what was going on in their lives, it's interesting to note what he says because he gives us a really good checkup of what a good church does. Did you notice these characteristics? He says, here's some characteristics of a great church. One is that they live in faith. 
In, in verse seven, he says, you excel in everything, you excel in faith. And the word that he used faith there is not just this idea in faith things are gonna work out, but the, the idea of faith in Jesus Christ. And that's really important for us as a church because if we have our faith grounded in anything but Jesus Christ, we've missed the mark. Everything that we do is built around the faith that we hold in common, that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world whom God sent to die on the cross for our sins because we were separated from God and we were under God's wrath. And so our faith is that Jesus Christ has saved us from our sins and has done a work on the cross so that we may have relationship with God the Father. Good churches have faith in Christ. He also says that they are, are good in speech. You think about what they're good in speech. The scripture says that we're to season our speech with, with salt. What does he mean there? When we're told that, it, it means to, to let the gospel be on our lips all the time, right? As we, as we talk to people, to be ready for the, uh, the explanation of the hope that's within us so that as we talk to people, they begin to know that we're different. Our mouths should be different in the way that we speak. We, we should not speak with coarse jesting. We shouldn't speak with crassness. We, we should speak with the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. It's interesting, over the last few weeks, we've asked you on our Thursday update email to answer some questions about which fruit of the Spirit you feel like you're excelling in and which fruit of the Spirit you feel like is lagging behind and maybe where our church is and where we're going to need to improve. And the reason we've done that is because we're looking at some possibilities as we look towards our vision in the fall of the year that we're gonna roll out in the spring. And so we've been asking, kind of trying to get your spiritual temperature and here's what we're learning about you. You are an impatient lot of people. That's what you've said about yourselves. You've said we're terrible in patience. You know, when we're terrible in patience, a lot of times we're terrible in speech, aren't we? Because we get impatient. We get, we, we get to start speaking before we're thinking. And, and, and a church that has the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ on its lips, that's a great thing, isn't it? For all of us to be reminded of that a church that really excels has their speech under control, the tongue bridled. The scripture also says that they're a church that had knowledge. Knowledge is something that shouldn't puff us up, but should be useful for us. We had the opportunity this week, a couple of us, to go listen to a man who spoke to us from the Voice of the Martyrs ministry. You, many of you know that Pastor Tim is working with them now, and he serves us by leading in our choir and ministries. But as we were listening to this speaker talk about his time imprisoned, one of the things that he said was that he went through a drought without the word of God. He didn't have it for months. He wasn't allowed to have the word of God. And then when he was finally given the word of God, he was in solitary confinement. He said, I had nothing better to do. And so I read the Bible in three weeks. Think about that. Three weeks. Now he thought he was going to be getting out of prison soon, but he was able to smuggle in some, some note cards and some pens and start writing some notes about what he was reading as he went through the Bible again and again and again. And he said, I had no idea what God was about to do, but my incarceration was extended and I finally got to a prison where they had a chapel for Christians. And they asked me, pastor, would you preach to us? And he said, I looked in my Bible and there were all these notes. The knowledge that God gives us, it, it never stops. It doesn't matter how old you are, that we're thirsting and seeking after the knowledge that God has for us because God uses that. He draws it out of us. Then he says diligence is a characteristic of a church. And that word just means that they do their best and they do it quickly. That, that's what it means to be a diligent person. 
is that you're doing your best and doing it quickly. You're, you're, not, you're not procrastinating if somebody asks you to do something. And this church was diligent to the task. And now he says to them, but don't forget to also include the grace of giving in your life. In the verse eight, he points out that others had been diligent in giving. And now he's testing them to give. In fact, in verse eight, he says, I'm not saying it's a command, but rather by a means of the diligence of others, I'm testing the genuineness of your love. What he's saying is others have been diligent and when we give, it's a test of our love for the Lord Jesus Christ and his people or his mission, whatever it might be. And Paul was encouraging this church. He says, you've got all these things going for you. These are great. You have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your speech is seasoned with salt. You're a diligent church, you're a knowledgeable church, but now in this also, excel in giving and prove the genuineness of your love. When we talk about giving in the Old Testament, tithing's commanded in the New Testament, it's commended by Jesus Christ himself. What Paul's talking about here is not a tithe, he's talking about a gift over top of it. And he says, when you think about giving and you think about it showing your love, we have the great example. Would you read verse nine with me again? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Paul reminds us absolutely how much we were loved. You remember what Paul said maybe to the Roman church? In Romans chapter five and verse seven, he says, for rarely will a person die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Philippians 2, he talks about how Jesus did not keep glory for himself, but he was willing to empty himself and take on flesh and come and, and live amongst us and humble himself and what Paul is saying here is that's an act of demonstration. It's an act of love for us and that Jesus is the ultimate demonstration of love for us that we see it so clearly. He gave up living in a place, think about this, where we find out in heaven the streets are gonna be paved with gold, where he had a throne, where he was able to sit with God the Father, where the worship of Jesus Christ was continual all the time as they worshiped the Godhead three in one. And he gave that up, taking on flesh, human frailty, born in a manger with no one around in a cattle trough. Think about it. Now, when you talk about what you've given up for the Lord, does it compare? Of course it doesn't. What have we ever given up for the Lord that compares to that? But what we see is a demonstration and an example for us and ultimately him giving his life for us. Did you notice uh, what, what we understand there is that by his poverty, Paul says in this passage we're reading, we became rich. By the poverty of Jesus Christ, you became rich. He gave up of himself, emptied himself of all that was his so that we might become rich in our relationship with God. And so Paul moves from talking about the characteristics of a good church and telling us that this is something that will demonstrate our love. And he says, we need to finish the task. When we have a global impact celebration like we're about to have this week. There is so much that goes into that. You have no idea. 
It's like anything that happens, right? You know, you show up at a birthday party or you show up at, at a wedding. You have no idea what all has gone on to make that happen. You just show up and eat the cake, right? I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty nice, right? But when we have a global impact celebration, it's not just your pastors working on this. It's all of us working behind the scenes. You have no idea how many volunteers have been engaged and champions for mission. And we've had to organize flights and hotel rooms and meals and, and caterers and, and all those kinds of things to get that done. And we do it because we're ready to finish the task. See, the Global Impact Celebration reminds us that there is work to be done. And it, it starts for us on Friday night this week when we ask you to come and meet the partners. And then on Saturday to come to the Senior Adult Luncheon. And then on Sunday, we're going to have partners in life groups and in worship service with us. And then back for our night of giving. So we're giving, engaging, and going with our partners and so when we talk about this, we think about what we need to finish the task with this week. Paul told this church in verse 12, they needed to finish the task. He says, there's eagerness there and the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he doesn't have. And he says, you need to finish the task. I want you to think about this. Finishing the task for us looks like this. There's three things of giving that we do, and you finished one of them already. Our partner gifts are done. Give yourself a hand for that. That's good. I'm so grateful that we don't have to worry about that, that you've taken those, and we are in good shape. Thank you for that. Thank you for loving our partners. The second thing, though, that we have to do is we have to get ready for our one-day offering, and we have to get ready for our faith promise offering. And so I want to just really quickly talk to you about that for a second because verse 12 gives us some insight into this. He says, if there's eagerness there, the gift is acceptable. When we talk about faith promise offerings, that's what we ask you to do. You got a little card in the mail. If you didn't stop by our next steps desk, we want you to have it. And it's a faith promise offering card to fund missions for the next year. I know that you're eager. I'm eager too. I'm ready for that. You guys are always able to do that. You're eager to do it. I'm so grateful for it. Here's what a faith promise card is, and here's what it's not. The first thing it is, is a spiritual exercise, not an emotional exercise. Here's what I mean. We're not going to not going to whip up and try to get you to give until we reach a certain number. That's not what it is. It's a spiritual exercise. We want you to go home this week. We want you to begin praying about the mission partners that are going to be here. And we want you to think about what could I give this year to further the cause of the kingdom and go before the Lord and pray about it. We're not trying to appeal to your emotions. Just go before the Lord and pray about it. Secondly, it's a faith promise card, not a pledge card. It's anonymous. Why is it anonymous? Well, we're not going to come knock on your door. Hey, man, you owe us five more bucks. Come on. It's not that way. It's faith promise. It's, it's what would God give through us that he wouldn't give to us. And so when you put that card in, you say, well, why do we even fill out the card, Pastor? What's the point? Well, we build our budget for our partners off that card. So we take those, we tabulate them, and we look at that number and we say, this is what God is going to provide this year, we believe, for our partners, and here's the thing. You wanna know something amazing? It's always been enough. It's always been enough. Whatever God has laid on your heart has always been enough with the resources that we have. It's amazing how that works. And so I want you to see that. And so as we begin praying about that this week, there are three specific ways that I want you to think about your faith promise offering over the next year. 
The first way to think about how might you fund that is just by better stewardship. And when we talk about better stewardship, that might begin with just having a budget. Do you have a budget? You know, uh, when, when you think about your dollars, are, are, are they talking to you? You know, one guy said, I know what my dollars say. They say goodbye, you know? And that, that's what happens. They just fly away. They're just saying goodbye all the time. But we want to direct those things. So maybe it's just sitting down and making a budget for your life this year and really recognizing how you could be a better steward overall of what God has given you. Maybe it would be like saying something just small like this. You know what? I, I like to eat out a couple of times a week and once per week, I'm not going to eat out and I'm gonna dedicate that money this year for mission. I'm just gonna do that. I, I'm gonna going say no to something that I like to say yes to something that has eternal importance. So by better stewardship, I might be able to fund the kingdom of the Lord. And this is important because it evaluates our value system. And this is something we should all do all the time with the resources God has entrusted into our hands because here's what we are. We're stewards of those things, not owners. Who owns it? He owns it. Say it with me. He owns it. Uh, come on now. Do you really believe it? Don't just say it. You gotta believe it. He owns it. He owns it. It's his. We're stewards. That means that things pass through our hands God gives them to us. Maybe it's for a short season. Maybe it's for a lifetime, but we're stewards of those things. So evaluating our value system makes us focus on most important things, actually things that the moth and the rust will not destroy as Jesus talked about them. So better stewardship. Secondly, it might be innovative ideas. You, you might have an idea given to you by God Maybe like working an extra job or, or picking up some type of skill that's laid dormant in your life for a while and using it for the kingdom. You might say, I, I could do this. This would be a good thing. You, you might dedicate additional profits from your income or, or unforeseen profits in your life uh, that God brings to you. And you say, God, anything you, you give me over this, I, I'm dedicating to you this year. It's yours. You might also, a third way to do that is to look at unexpected gifts or income. Sometimes God gives us money in unusual ways. It's funny how he does it. Uh, as we've prayed over the mission offering, God might lead you to an amount that he will supply supernaturally and you just trust him for it. Remember, it's not us trying to do it. It's going before the Lord and saying, Lord, what about this year? What about the missions? How's this going to work? And I'm gonna trust you to do it. We ask you to do this unapologetically every year because we want you to support the work of God around the world. So that's number two. Partner gifts number one, we've done that. Most important is secondly, this faith promise offering. We give that through the year. Write your card down, turn it in. You can bring that next week and turn it in and we'll collect it for three weeks. And you say, why do you do three weeks on that? Because I figure that you may want to meet all of our partners first before you start getting too far down the road on that because God might encourage you to give more. God might, God might really move your heart in that way. So we'll collect that for three weeks starting next week. But then the one day offering, that's next week. You should have received an offering envelope that just says one day offering. If you're giving online or you're giving to the church center app, there are tabs for these things as well. Missions, one day offering, you can do that there. 
And this year, again, we've asked you to be part of a one-day offering, and it's actually unlike any that we've had before because we're asking you to use a bifocal vision. Now, we've used that terminology before. In 2018, when we talked about where we were going as a church, we said we needed to operate with bifocal vision. We needed to see the up close and the far away. And, and that's really come to bear in my life a little bit this year because I got a little bit better set of glasses this year so that I could see far away and the unintended consequence of being able to see you in the back of the room is I can't read my own Bible anymore with these on. I have to take them off most of the time or I have to print it uh, in my notes in big letters you know, to be able to see it, right? You, you understand what a bifocal vision is. It lets me see clearly what's in front of me and it lets me see what's far away. Well, when we talk about that this year, we're asking you to go back and work with faith that comes by hearing and we're asking you to fund another language. Uh, we've done almost 10 with them, I believe, and this year we're working with the Shami people of Colombia. There are 29,000 speakers of this language, and to date they have no Bible, no Jesus film, no audio Bible, there's nothing. And so we're partnering with Faith Comes By Hearing to kind of further that along. And what Faith Comes By Hearing will do is it takes about $35,000 for them to get a language dramatized once it's been translated. And they put them on these little boxes. These are great, man. They're solar and uh, you can load, I think, up to five languages on here. And so I would imagine that if we send these to the Shami people, they'll also have Spanish on there and then other languages that might be spoken around that area for indigenous peoples to be able to hear that there is a God who knows them, loves them, created them, and speaks their language. These little boxes are called proclaimers. And they're loud enough that if I were to turn this on and play it in here, the whole room could hear it without any amplification from the microphone. They're amazing in their technology and God continues to use these. And so you've done this before, but we wanna do it again. We want to make sure that every tribe, every tongue, every nation may know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So when we think about that vision, that's the far away, isn't it? That's the go into all the world and make disciples piece of it. That, that's really seen something, but there's something that has changed that's up close. And I've got to be honest with you, uh, this really began to take shape in my life this summer. And, and I, didn't, I didn't expect it. I didn't see it as we were thinking about getting ready for our one-day offering uh, I wasn't prepared for this one, but as we began to talk about this, our Global Focus executive team agreed on this because it moved their heart as well, and I think it will move yours. As you know, the Supreme Court sent the issue of abortion back to the local states, and often there has been this unfair criticism leveled against the church by saying people who are Christians are pro-birth, they're not really pro-life. That's not actually true. And I can prove it to you just in our church because we've been supporting actually pro-life causes that start at birth and go forward since long before I was ever your pastor. In fact, Tennessee Baptist of the Tennessee Baptist Convention established the first Tennessee Baptist Children's Home in 1891. And in 1911, they purchased the property while this church was being founded. They purchased the property that is right down the road and have been serving orphans, and those who are in the foster care system ever since that time. 
We've worked with ministries like Begin Anew as well because Begin Anew not only takes people uh, in, uh, in, in their programs who need uh, education and life skills, but they're also taking care of children during that. And, and so we're, we're wanting people to be changed by the opportunities that they have because we believe the gospel changes everything. We don't think it's just a heart change in your life. We think it's a life change, right? I mean, it's, it's not just that, but we wanna resource those things. And so this year, we're splitting our one-day offering with the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home. So we're asking that whatever you give that day, half of it is going to the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home, half of it is going to fund a language for the Shami people. And so we're asking you to show up and give to those causes. One is right in front of us and one is far away, but they're both very important. And I've gotta be honest with you, in my lifetime as a pastor, I was trained to do the first and not the second. When I went to seminary, what we talked about was growing your church. How can we get more people? I've read the scripture a lot, and I've never seen that in there as the call for the pastor, is to get more people. Now, can we back up for a second and say that we believe that God loves people? You say amen. Do we believe that God wants more people in the family? Do we believe that God is saving people? Of course we do. So naturally, we believe that we wanna see people saved and growing and coming and all of those things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But to the exclusion of something in scripture that we can't fail to miss this morning. I wanna read this for you from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10 and verse 18. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner or the resident alien giving him food and clothing. Now, why was this so important to God that people who were on the margins were protected? Because God's people had been on the margins. Do you remember that? God's people had lived as resident aliens in Egypt. They knew what it was like to be taken advantage of. They knew what it was like when people saw them as less than human and wanted to cast them aside. In fact, do you remember what was happening? Pharaoh had said to the midwives, you take all of those babies and you throw them in the Nile River. We don't want any of these Hebrew babies around. We, we don't want any part of that. And what did it say? The midwives did what? They feared God more than they feared men. And they protected those children. God said to them, I love life and you will take care of the fatherless. You will take care of the widow. You will take care of the resident alien that is among you. Well, in the New Testament, we also see the book of James chapter 1 verse 27 says that real religion, pure religion is undefiled before God. By doing what? Visiting orphans and widows in their affliction and keeping oneself unstained from the world. So what does that mean for us as a church? What does it mean for us as we look out and try to evaluate what we're doing here and there and around the world? What, what does it mean for us to do these things? Well, I think it's important that we understand that what God's telling us from the scripture has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with politics because it transcends political parties. You can be a Republican, you can be a Democrat. You can believe that we should have a border. You can believe that we should have open borders. Doesn't matter. The scripture says, take care of widows, orphans, and the resident alien among you. That's it. 
It's plain and simple. It transcends that. And so for us as a church, you've actually been doing this in ways that you may not think of. And you've actually been taking part in this even if you don't realize it. For instance, did you know that we've been supporting a widow's ministry ever since we started working with the Lighthouse Christian Camp? At Lighthouse Christian Camp, part of the money that, that we send to them and part of the, the gifts that we're giving this year will go to take care of some of our widows who are in desperate need. And they live there at, at Lighthouse Christian Camp and they're taken care of. There's a widow's cottage there. You've been supporting that for the last 12 years. Secondarily, you've also been supporting things, not just for children but, and widows, but also for resident aliens. Uh, we've been working very hard in our, our ESL program to make sure we're, we're giving people skills and, and abilities so that they can go and live a productive life while they're here. And oh, by the way, we're giving them the gospel, right? I love this. Last week, uh, we were leaving on Wednesday night and my wife sometimes subs uh, at uh, the Creve Hall Elementary School and uh, is there on various days helping out. And uh, So she knows kids and kids know her. And it's funny, we go places sometimes and you'll hear Mrs. Mims and people come up and, and they talk to her and they know her from there. And this little girl was here on Wednesday night and we'd seen her the week before because parents are taking ESL. And she was like, Mrs. Mims, Mrs. Mims, so good to see you. I went to Awana tonight. That's great. That's so good that you went to Awana. Then the next week, she saw us and she said, Mrs. Mims, look, I got my shirt and I got my book. Well, you know what you have to do to get a shirt and a book? You got to say some verses, right? The word of the Lord will not return void. So these things that we're doing, they're important for us to do and they're important for us to see and today I'm excited to announce what we are now calling the New Life Initiatives of Judson Baptist Church. And this is going to be the ministry heading that everything falls under for our efforts to care for those who are vulnerable. And especially as we talk about not just being pro-birth, but being pro-life all the way through. So you know that we're going to be working with the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home, but you might also know that we're working with Embrace Grace. It's a national ministry that works with vulnerable mothers who are experiencing unplanned pregnancy, and we walk with them through a discipleship process for a semester. We have a full class of Embrace Grace moms this year. It's unbelievable what God is doing, and God is answering some specific prayers. I wish I could tell you this one, and maybe I will, but I'll tell you this week, I was confronted with a, a need that we had in the Embrace Grace ministry. I didn't know what the need was going to be. I just knew that Leslie Strange, who heads that up, said, Pastor, need you to meet with one of our ladies before Wednesday night. And I just began praying and asking the Lord, what, what is this going to be, Lord? What are we going to do? And didn't know what it was going to be. And she came and we talked. And man, I was just kind of stuck, didn't know what to do. And so I made a phone call. We hung up the phone and we said, well, let's just pray about this and see what God does. Didn't have a lot of hope in that phone call, honestly. While we were praying, the phone rang and it was the need being answered of what needed to take place in this person's life. I and mean, that's God's work, right? That's embrace grace. That's ministry happening. And that's not us. That's the power of God doing what he wants us to do. So when we talk about Tennessee Baptist Children's Home, embrace grace, we're opening up something here at Judson Baptist Church called the Care Portal. Care Portal, you're gonna hear more about it in just a minute. I'm gonna let you watch a video about it. But the Care Portal is something that allows us to know the needs of some of our ministry partners who are working in the foster care and adoption care system. And we can meet those needs 
Uh, not only anonymously, but also face-to-face to be able to help people who are needing, uh, whether it's food, clothing, because you don't think about this. We often think about children in foster care, but we don't think about their parents. What if you're a parent trying to get your life in order and you need bus tickets to make it to meetings with the, the, the state agency that's overseeing the foster care of your children? We can meet those needs in the name of Jesus. We, we can walk with people when they are most vulnerable. So Tennessee Baptist Children's Home and Grace Brace Care Portal. We're also going to be working with a ministry that's local to us called Agape Ministries. Agape's right over here on Trousdale Drive. Uh, they've been around for a long time working in the adoption agency, foster agency, working with vulnerable kids. And if we have five families from Judson Baptist Church that want to enter the foster care system and, and start helping out with that, Agape's going to come and do a class just for those families. They'll invite community, but, but our families will host it here in the winter of that year. Folks, I think that may be the next frontier for us in the state of Tennessee. Maybe today God's been putting that on your heart. You've been thinking about that. We want to resource you to do that. At the very least, they're going to do an intro to fostering class here so that you can learn more about that. And we'll give you some more details about that at a later date. But I'm also happy to announce that not only that, today we are making a gift to the Cumberland Crisis Pregnancy Center in the amount of $5,000 so that they can get ready for what's coming down the road for them. And so we want to be walking with people all the way. We gotta finish the task. The task is great. Have you noticed that Vulnerable populations aren't getting smaller, they're getting bigger. The task is great and the opportunities are great. And here's what I believe. I don't ever want our focus to be on, can we just grow Judson to be bigger and better version of whatever it is. I, mean, that, I think that will take care of itself if we do what God has called us to do. And maybe by giving away ministry to people that we can't expect anything from back in return, what God will do is honor our gift and honor our service and honor our ministry and all these things will take care of themselves. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And so the call is great and the task ahead is great and we must be willing to finish the task with the days that we have left. Praise the Lord that he's left us here for such a time as this. I believe we're poised for it. I believe your heart is ready for it. I know that my heart is, is getting ready for it. I, I feel the Lord changing me and, and transforming me for some of these things. And I want us to be ready for what God has in the future. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I want you to pray with me right now. I want you to bow your heads in prayer. Would you begin praying about our one day offering and our faith promise offering. And would you begin praying for our new life initiatives? God has opened a door that I don't believe anyone can shut. And I believe as we walk through it in faith, God is going to provide what we need. And we're going to see his kingdom built. Lord, we ask you, help us finish the task. Lord, may we never be concerned with just building our version of whatever brand we think is important, but may we build your kingdom in such a way that 
our religion would be pure and undefiled. That who we are would shine. And God, that we could meet the needs of a world that is hurting. God, you are faithful. Thank you for being faithful just to answer prayer this week and move in mighty ways this week, Lord. We've seen it. And we pray, Father, that we'll be able to rejoice with our one-day offering on Sunday and, and our faith promise offering as we go through this process of just evaluating where we are and what we might do this year. Lord, would you supply our need? God, we know that it's not the amount of the gift, it's our heart. And Lord, we want to hear that call today. We want to answer it with a willing yes. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.